0: You're listening to the Ricky Long Podcast. My body type, my top half heaviness and size do not lend themselves well to being on a bike. As Soon as a hill hits a struggle, or soon as there's a headwind, I really struggle as well. But that's all a learning experience for me. So what I actually noticed, it's coming into the last hour, especially. The only way I could keep pace with Marion is I had to tuck in behind. I had to put it on a slightly heavier gear and I had to like go hot stand and go hard for about five, seven, eight uh, revolutions RPM. Freewheel, get drafting and behind Marion. Once I start to drop back off, I just do another four or five pedals. Uh, revolutions, big hard pushes, and I'll keep up with her. And I was able to do that no problem. I actually put that down to my own general fitness background and hit training. I'm used to working rest, rest. I think that kind of worked quite well for me from a mental point of view, it worked quite well too. At no point in the swim or the bike was I ever in pain, was I ever dying. I think it's really important when you do these events, it's enjoy the event, it's, it's the training is the hard bit. That's where the hardship really is. Uh, the event itself, bike was fine. Yeah, I was struggling a bit in energy levels. I was eating food as I was going around uh, energy gels and peanut butter sandwich and an isotonic drink. Let me tell you about the run. 21 kilometres. First 2k running, normally, especially once you come off a bike, is hard your legs feel heavy, there's no real rhythm, you're fighting to get a rhythm, and I find it really hard to get my heart rate down, so I think the first 5k my heart rate was about 160, 170, then my heart rate actually came down to 145, 150, Uh, but my pace stayed the same. The middle 10k, from about 5k to 15k, good, fun, enjoyable, I was talking, Marion and I were talking, I do not talk when I run, I can't. But for that 10k, I don't know what it was. I had a pre workout before I did that run, so maybe it was just kicking in. I felt great. The last 15 to 19k, I got that, that was hard, and I got my to 1 hour 56 on my phone. I couldn't use my watch anymore because it died on my phone. I was timing it 1 hour 56 for 19 kilometers, and I just thought to myself. This is amazing i'm actually going to set a half marathon pb here for myself which was to my own detriment because the next two kilometers took 19 minutes because i lost all ability for my left foot and my right foot to actually step in front of each other there was no relationship normally like you're running as soon as a left foot is finished at stride the right foot's starting and that's kind of an automatic thing i was having to think about this and there was just no propulsion in each push you're listening to the ricky long podcast where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Ricky is a fitness industry expert, having been helping people achieve their fitness goals since 2002. We talk everything fitness, business, and group exercise to help you on your fitness journey. The Ricky Long Podcast with your host, that's me, Ricky Long. Right, I am going to chat you through this episode. And this episode, I wanted to talk to you about my learnings from doing the half Ironman distance triathlon. Um, I've done this on previous episodes uh, in 2019 when I did the marathon swim, which is 10k swim which was, I want to say September last year, maybe August last year. And then I, later on, I did a running marathon, 26 miles in Strathclyde, which was October last year. So this is a kind of a part three. So if you want to go back and check those podcasts, I'll put them in the show notes. And this is me doing the Half Ironman Triathlon Distance, which is a 2K swim, a 90K bike ride and a 21K run otherwise known as mile and a quarter swim, a 56 mile bike and a 13 mile half marathon run. That is the Ironman distance or the half Ironman distance. Now before I go on I've got to tell you I did not do this alone. Uh, Marion Monk did this with me. Marion is a lady based here in Inverclyde who actually helped me get back into swimming. Um, she was a contact point in the local swimming club at Inverclyde Masters um, and ever since then Marion I've just, just always spoke and then she did triathlon i had an interest in kind of just doing endurance sports and she's shown me and helped me do just a lot of things um in, in terms of getting ready not just for this but just getting triathlon ready and you know just any advice what type of bike you need what type of kit you need suits, yada 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 a couple of weeks ago I had this idea, right, I want to do the half Ironman. I want to finish my training for the year. Um, the plan was, most of the listeners, you'll know this, I, I planned to do a full Ironman in May, obviously cancelled. Don't know if you've heard about this. Um, COVID, pandemic, obviously cancelled. Um, I carried on doing some sort of training and I thought, right, this this needs to lead to something, needs to come to the, uh, an end point. And it did always think. I'll do something at the end of the year. I'm pretty much at the beginning of September, decided Right, I'll do a half Iron Man at the end of this month and message Marion, do you want to do it with me? With no hesitation, she basically said yes. She was away on holiday for two weeks. She got back on the Saturday evening and on Sunday, she did the half Man with me um, after being on holiday for two weeks. Um, so shout out to Marion for that. I, I can only imagine, because we all know what it's like the day you get back from holiday or the day after you get back from holiday, you're in an energy dump. Um, No time for that. Marion was out doing the Half Iron Man with myself. And the second reason why I was doing this, you've heard on the last podcast with Chris Kirk, who is doing the City Hall the Summit Challenge in aid of survivors of suicide. Um, They are now a charity I have partnered with, and I'm also partnered with Make Minds Move, uh, a charity based in Edinburgh, all about mental health. And I was lucky enough I can use my platform, I can use my podcast, I can use my Instagram, my Facebook, my Twitter to raise awareness about those charities which do mean a lot to me. Um, I've had my own personal experiences with my own mental health. I've had friends who have gone through mental health problems, mental illness. Uh, One in four people will suffer mental health issues in their life and suicide in men is the biggest killer. Um, of men under the age of forty-five in the UK and Ireland, which is a frightening statistic. Uh, and in the last podcast, Chris had this incredible stat that in the week preceding that podcast, thirty-five people had in East Belfast had taken their lives through suicide, and there was one COVID death, um, which is just an indication of, of the stats. Um, of where suicide is and if we can survivors of suicide or uh, help people deal with mental health and you know there's just Samaritans there's mental health charities and basically if we can raise more awareness about mental health and you know talking to people and where people can get help then it will reduce hopefully the suicide statistics. Um so that's part of the reasons why I was doing it. And thirdly I've got to be a bit selfish here. Um I wanted to do the half Ironman just to test myself. So like I said, in in point one, I'd done a lot of training all this year. Um, The biggest distance triathlon I'd done to that point was an Olympic triathlon, which is about three hours. Um, So this was double that. It was double all the distances. Um, So it was a really, really good opportunity to test myself. All right, let me describe the day for you. Uh, We did it on Sunday, the 27th of September. Um, we absolutely cracked it with the weather. The weather was incredible. it Didn't rain the whole day. The sun was out the whole day. It was warm enough in the sun. Um, but it was still cold. It was probably only like eight, nine, ten degrees for the majority of the day. Um, absolutely cracked it. Went up to Loch Tom in the morning, and let me tell you the route. We're going to swim in Loch Tom. We're going to cycle from Loch Tome in Gr- Greenock to Lourdes back to Greenock and do that twice and we'd bring us up and then the run was going to be from where I stay in Gurug towards Inverkip and back so that was the planned routes. Like I said the weather was fantastic we got the home in the morning the air temperature was two degrees according to the Instagram temperature thing uh, which i believe it certainly wasn't 22 degrees it was definitely closer to two degrees and it was 22 degrees and this can be confirmed which i did post this on my instagram story when we were kitted out in our wetsuits we walked down towards the lock where we we're going to swim the mud was frozen the mud i was walking on was frozen i was in my bare feet i was walking on frozen mud i sank into it and it only got colder as i went down um and then the water was actually a really really nice temperature according to Marion's watch um I think it originally said it was about eleven degrees, which is very very swimmable water. Um, because the sun was coming down on the surface of the water, it made it feel really really nice. Now I'm gonna chat you through some of my learnings. I'm gonna do this in a couple of stages. I'm gonna tell you my learnings from the swim, my learnings from the bike, my learnings from the run, and then just some generic, almost kind of mental hardness, resilience, hardship learnings. So let's start with the swim. My wetsuit is knackered, okay? My wetsuit is totally knackered. There's holes in it. I've tried to mend it. I've just got to retire this wetsuit. Because when I was swimming, from the second my knees went into the water, obviously you're walking into the water, it just filled with water. Which when you're trying to swim, I was basically swimming, carrying a bodysuit worth of water, plus me. A 2K swim would normally take me On a slow day, 38 minutes. That would have been a fast day because the water was flat. The water conditions were perfect. It took me 45 minutes because it was just dragging so much with me. Um, So yeah, that was really, really difficult. And the swim time, I suppose I'll tell you the total times. The total time for the day was seven and a half hours. The time we actually spent in disciplines was six hours. So it was a 43 three and was well, let's say let's call it a 45 minute swim. It was a three hour fifty cycle and it was a two hour sixteen um run. So let, let's just call that you know six hours for what it is. The transitions took ages after the swim, it took us 45 minutes to get bike ready because we the wave through all the frozen mud, get up to the cars. We were so cold by that point. It just took ages to actually get changed. Uh, Lindsay was there helping me out. Marion's husband, Paul, was there helping her out. Um, so we're really, really grateful for that. Uh, we had the bikes in the car and we went down um so yeah that's kind of the swim the the biggest learning from the swim listen i'm I'm comfortable swimming biggest learner is i just need a new wetsuit so if anybody listening to this wants to start a gofundme campaign so as i can buy a new wetsuit um that would be much appreciated um onto onto the bike i had a little trouble with my watch when we started the bike and i soon realized i don't know why my watch only had 20 percent battery left absolutely uh devastating because i know no, it wasn't going to last the day. Anyway, on the bike, here's the thing when you're on the bike is the first hours okay. Always, no matter what you're doing on a bike, first hour is okay. After that, you learn so much about yourself because your energy levels deplete and your ability to put power down on your feet really really just disintegrates uh marion's much more experienced on a bike than me um so i just kind of tried to tuck in behind her for the majority and just hold on to her so she's really good at doing two three four hour cycles she would do them a lot i don't i go you know a two hour cycle for me is kind of not the when i say the limit of what i've done it's only the limit because i've only been cycling for four months since the start of lockdown um so just haven't done that many of them and what I find with, I can have good pace for the first hour, the second hour, I, I do have good pace again, I'll average by 27, 28 kph, um, but it's just so much more effort, and then after that, I am just really, really struggling to keep that pace up, I can keep going, but just from a pace level, my natural ability at that point is probably down closer to 21, 22 kph, um, although there's a lot of factors in that, first of all, my own bike fitness, um, in experience of being on a, fi- a bike, and thirdly. My body type, my top half heaviness and size do not lend themselves well to being on a bike. As soon as a hill hits, I struggle. Or as soon as there's a uh, headwind, I really struggle as well. But that's all a, a learning experience for me. So what I actually noticed, it's coming into the last hour especially, the only way I could keep pace with Marion is I had to tuck in behind, I had to put it on a slightly heavier gear. And I had to like go hot stand and go hard for about, Five, seven, eight uh, revolutions RPM. Freewheel. Get drafting and behind Marion. Once I start to drop back off, I just do another four or five pedals uh revolutions, big hard pushes, and I'll keep up with her. And I was able to do that no problem. I actually put that down to my own general fitness background and hit training. I'm used to working. Rest. Rest. I think that kind of worked quite well for me, and from a mental point of view, it worked quite well as, uh, too no point in the swim or the bike was I ever in pain was I ever dying I, I think it's really important when you do these events it's enjoy the event it's it's the training is the hard bit that's where the hardship really is uh the event itself bike was fine yeah I was struggling a bit in energy levels I was eating food as I was going around uh, energy gels um peanut butter sandwich and an isotonic drink let me tell you about the run 21 kilometers First 2k running normally, especially once you come off a bike, is hard. Your legs feel heavy, there's no real rhythm, you're fighting to get a rhythm, and I find it really hard to get my heart rate down. So I think the first 5k my heart rate was about 160, 170, then my heart rate actually came down to 145, 150, Uh, but my pace stayed the same. The middle 10k from about 5k to 15k, good, fun, enjoyable. I was talking, Marion and I were talking. I do not talk when I run, I can't. But for that 10k, I don't know what it was. I had a pre workout before I did that run, so maybe it was just kicking in. I felt great. The last 15 to 19k, I got that, that was hard. And I got my to 1 hour 56 on my phone. I couldn't use my watch anymore because it died. On my phone, I was timing it 1 hour 56 for 19 kilometers. And I just thought to myself, this is amazing. I'm actually going to set a half marathon PB here for myself. Which was to my own detriment because the next two kilometres took 19 minutes because I lost all ability for my left foot and my right foot to actually step in front of each other. There was no relationship. Normally, like you're running, as soon as a left foot is finished its stride, the right foot's starting and that's kind of an automatic thing. I was having to think about this. And there was just no propulsion in each push. Um. So I, f- I finished the half marathon in two hours. I want to say sixteen minutes. It might have been two fourteen. We'll just call it two sixteen. I'll I'll put the actual times in the show notes. Um. And yeah, finishing it started nine o'clock in the morning, just after nine o'clock in the morning, if I'm honest, and finishes just before half four. So I'm just calling it seven and a half hour. When later on that night, I looked at the um average times for first time half Ironman distance and the average time is actually for my age group um uh 30 uh, I just went 35 to 39 as well even on 24 the average time is six hours 35 and if I take my disciplines itself I was about six hours I think it was just under six hours um and that's with uh, a wetsuit which was onboarding water uh that's with being a complete novice on the bike and that's with the rum. basically i was just disintegrating for the last 20 minutes um obviously elite athletes and seasoned half ironman they'll do that in like four or five hours you know that's where i might be at some point but for now um a little above average which i love (laughs) so absolutely loving that so that was the event itself um I think this podcast I might go a bit all over the show, back and forth, just jump back into things about the run, um, about the bike, and the swim, just as I remember it. What I must say is there was a 5,000 calorie burn. 5,000 calories, that's what I burnt. Uh, Sunday night, people say, Oh, did you eat all the food? I had a regular sized Chinese and I had a beer and I went to sleep. And then Monday, Tuesday, and even now when I'm recording this on Wednesday, I'm tired, but not tired in the sense I want to sleep. I'm just having like energy peaks and troughs. So I'll, like right now, I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really energetic. I know in an hour's time, I'm gonna feel really, really tired, Um, but not tired. I want to sleep. Just tired. I need to chill. I need a dark room. Um, A lot of that's down to energy levels, electrolyte levels, dehydration. Um, so i am still managing that i was going to be it was going to be really really graphic um bathroom wise it was only so we did the event on sunday and i went to the bathroom for a number two for the first time today this morning um so that's where i am with that so everything's fine you know everything's good i don't need a doctor um but that's just the effect an event like that will have on your body, especially if it's the first time you've done it and your body doesn't know how to deal with it. I was getting some messages from people, you know who you are, telling me that, you know, they're constipated for two weeks after endurance events. Um, Like, please go to the doctor if that's you. I I've been really, really okay. All right, let me jump into the the mindset section. By the way, I've got to do um, some plugs for the sponsors, don't I? Putting for Sport, Northern Ireland Sports Retailer of the Year. If it wasn't for putting for sport, I wouldn't even have a bike to do the Ironman and raise the awareness for mental health. So shout out for putting for sport. Check out their social media pages. Uh, Bodycore Training, they look after fitness professional qualifications, personal training, level two fitness, sports massage, um, they're actually doing a daily sports massage right now. So check out their certificates online. Their certificates online. Their website. Check out their Instagram and see if there's anything that you want to do. Looking at the mindset, I've already touched on this. Is you really when you go to do an event, you need to enjoy the day. Now, if you're an elite athlete, and you're trying to win, you're trying to set a time, trying to qualify for something, maybe that's. Not just as important because it's still competitive. You want to enjoy the competitive, yes. For us, Joe Blogs, listen to this. If you're doing a marathon, a half marathon, a ten k, a five k, you know, whatever it might be, make sure you enjoy, quote unquote, race day, event day, enjoy it. Um, if you're like me and you use social media a lot, make sure you use social media to, to to document the day. Sacrifice a couple of seconds or minutes to make sure you're comfortable. And you can you know, talk to people on the journey. So I was updating Instagram as I was doing it, which I know probably cost me in total maybe about 15 minutes of the whole day. I'm totally fine with that because you've you got to enjoy the day because the hardship is in the training. The hardship is in what people don't see. Now, I do post a lot of my training on social media, but I'll tend to post you know, 15 seconds of the training or the Strava screenshot at the end who people don't see. The hour and a half I've spent doing a bike or run beforehand that's where the hard graft is now you have to have a certain amount of enjoyment in that but that is where you want to be putting the hard work in so is when you come to race day you're prepped I put the reasons down why I put in a good time why I've been okay these last two or three days it's because I've prepped well I've spent the last five or six months getting my body used to running getting my body used to being on the bike swimming I've always been okay with as I've said but biking and running in that distance, in that volume, I've had to learn how to do it. And I'm not a natural for it. I don't have the body type for it. I don't have the mental capability for it. I would far rather go to the gym, do weights, than I would go to the gym and do cardio. I've been like that my whole life. I'm going to be like that my whole life. Uh, Interesting fact, when the gyms reopened again at the start of September, I went on the treadmill to try and do like a 5k run. I lasted two minutes, hit stop on the treadmill, walked out of the gym and went for a run back into the gym, got my stuff, <laughs> and then went home again because that's just that's just the way my brain is. so mindset, enjoy the race day, get your family involved, get your friends involved, get your social media involved, make sure you know you know what you're going to have for your post match meal. so I always knew I was going to have a Chinese and knew I was going to have a couple of beers, and make sure you enjoy that day. Point number two, how many have I got here? Probably got about 10 points, We might have more. Uh, The week leading to your event, that prep means so much. And I have three focuses for that week in terms of prep and none of that was physical, none of that was, I've gotta learn how to run that distance or bike that distance or swim that distance. If you can't do that a week before the event, then that week's training is not gonna make much of a difference. So all that work was done. The week beforehand, I was focusing on three things, as I said. Sleep, hydration, and multivitamins stroke veg. Um now I didn't have a so let let's let's go to sleep. I was just making sure I was getting eight, nine hours sleep per night. I wasn't getting up early. I was normally I would get up half five, six. I was maybe sleeping in the seven, half seven. I was taking that extra hour every day and I was having daytime naps. Second thing. I said there was about hydration, I was making sure I was having minimum three, four liters of water per day, and I was taking electrolytes, I, I take electrolytes from uh, my protein. to just help you, you know, get all the salts in your system the minerals And then the third thing I was making sure I was well stocked on multivitamins. So I was having a multivitamin supplement in the middle of the day and I was having a Baraka first thing in the morning and I was making sure I was having a portion of veg at least twice a day. That tend to be with lunch and dinner. Now a couple of days I missed that, but it was the effort to get two per day. It just makes sure that you're really, really well energized and the system, (laughs) do you know what I mean? The system, yeah, yeah, the digestive system. Your ability to extract nutrients and, and hydrate yourself are really really well tuned for race day. Take a drink of water. Um, so the the weeks prep before your event, pay attention to your sleep, your nutrition, and your hydration for that week. So I've said this before um. about perspective is everything. Now, this cast my mind back to when I did the marathon last year as I remember running and I was in a bad place myself and I remember I can't remember if, no I overtook him there was somebody who was running in front of me and I could see from a distance wasn't didn't have a great running style and the closer I got I realized they had one prosthetic leg and I was kind of like wow that's amazing you know I, i'm running here and i'm really really suffering with my own problems and i look up and god knows what you've overcome to get this far to be running whether it was a half marathon or a marathon it is just unbelievable so perspective is everything and i say that because the swim i don't have problems with the bike i didn't have problems with i always knew the run is where i was going to meet meet my demons that's where I was going to have my mental battle. And it's good to have things that you can think about in perspective. So I'm thinking, all right, you know, I, I'm I'm in a real bad place here. I'm really, really struggling. Well, I'm not actually in that bad a place compared to someone with mental health issues or someone who can't even walk into the gym because they're afraid of you know the own stories that they're telling themselves. Or bigger than that, what about someone who's lost someone through mental health and suicide? So I I'm in a bad place, but but compared to somebody, a family going through that, this doesn't even matter. I What I'm going through does not matter in terms of what that person, that family could be going through. And by me pushing myself through this, by me pushing this onto my social media platforms and raising a little bit of awareness, perhaps that family who has just lost some of the suicide doesn't even have to go through it because there's a little bit more awareness for that person who is thinking about taking suicide can now get some help so perspective is everything so i really really do encourage you listen to this if and it doesn't have to be a marathon a half marathon an ironman it could be you know whatever you're doing work-wise you could be having to do something really really difficult in work if you can find perspective on that it makes that task easier by definition for example if you need to um I'm trying to think of real just because a lot of fitness professionals have been listening to this if you have to limit the amount of people come into your classes um because of you know the pandemic and covid and you have to have an awkward conversation with people you know oh sorry you can't come to my class today because we've exceeded capacity that conversation can be a really really big conversation in your head but the perspective is well if you don't have that conversation with them and they come to your class it puts them and everybody else at risk and they could be possibly again i'm using an um, extreme example to prove a point they could pass on the virus to other people and they could lose people within their family so if you think about it a little bit like that, well by me having this conversation actually stops that so perspective is a really really powerful thing um especially when you're going through your own personal hardship uh reasons why which I've already spoke about so what point one nine, nine one two three four reasons why the reasons why I've done this is a threefold uh, one raise f- finish my own season's training. Two raise awareness for mental health charities, and three be really, really selfish in myself and push my body to do something which I didn't think was possible. You know, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, so yeah, the the one thing that sorry reason one there. I've been tra- it, It's so much easier to exercise and train when you have something to train for so whether that's a marathon, a 5k, a 1k, a 300 meter swim, um, you know, saving a brick from the bottom of a swimming pool and your lifesavers, if you put something in your diary that is your reason to train, it makes training so much easier and I want to finish the season off with something I had to train. Reason two, mental health awareness. I have had my own issues with mental health which I don't mind telling people that, only people in my, my inner circle fully know what they they are. Um mainly for me personally, uh depression and anxiety, which I'm were back in twenty let's say twenty fifteen until about twenty eighteen, so a year after I moved to Scotland is when I, I kinda really, really thought, you know what? Um and that's behind me now. I I know how to deal with it. But more so, I've so many people, and especially people in the fitness industry. I, I think mental health is is a massive thing. Um, and I'm very lucky that I have a platform I can use just to talk about mental health. I think group fitness instructors really struggle with mental health. Um, that's a general state uh, sweeping statement. I know, uh, but let me explain why. Is because what a group fitness instructor does is put so much pressure on themselves to get the choreography right, look the part, coach the right way, make people have a good time and, you know, do that multiple times a week. Um, you know, you teach your class and you're literally a rock star for that 60 minutes. And again, you're maybe doing that 10 times a week. And then you go home and you've got to do like real, real normal things like do the dishes or have a conversation with you, your kids, your, your parents, your, your spouse, you know, might have to help with homework, you might have to put the bins out, you might have to um, deal with the household bills, which are really, really important, normal things. But you go from being you know, the rock star, you go from being Britney Spears to somebody who's maybe having an awkward conversation about something at home and it can really, really play on your emotions and that can then lead to other things and you start to use your classes and your workouts as a little bit of an adrenaline buzz and you're relying on them and especially now through COVID when they've been taken away I know a lot of group fitness instructors will could let's not say well could develop certain um mental health issues from that so if I can use my platform to say you know what it's it's fucking okay to talk about mental health you know you have good days and bad days I have good days and bad days and it's it's not about being fearing the the bad days because you probably don't fear the good days you probably hope for more good days than you have bad days um but it's about knowing when you have a bad day that that's okay and this is my let's not call it a coping procedure this is my procedure for what I do on a bad day because a coping procedure, just sit right, okay, this is a bad day. This is, you know, I'll do this until the next bad day comes. You don't want the coping procedure. You want a, how can you thrive? Don't survive on that day. You thrive on that day. So I know when I, I use myself as the my best example, when I have a bad day, there's three things I need to do. One of three things on a bad day I need to do. And that makes me feel, feel good by the end of the day in fact and the first thing I want to say here is probably the thing I do the most often that always works is I just go I'm and be by myself that's it and when I want to say go be by myself that will look different I'll sometimes go for a drive I'll go to the gym on my own there'll be people around me but I'll train on my own or sit and have a coffee meal I love doing that and sometimes that's the best thing for me Uh the second thing for me is uh computer games, football manager. I don't mind telling you that. It's a little bit of escapism. And the third thing, very, very closely linked to that, is a, a bit of a Netflix binge. You know, they they work for me. They don't work for everyone. Um, but I know when I do them I'll feel okay by the end of it, whatever okay is. They're not surviving. I thrive when I do that. And there's a little principle we will use as well, calm. If you do calm every day, you'll connect with someone, random act of kindness, laugh and move. So you're Connect with someone, act of kindness, laugh, move. That's your 30 minutes of exercise. And then the third reason why is to be a little bit selfish. And I want to push my body. I want to see what I can do. The the biggest event I'd done prior to this was a three-hour event, which was an Olympic triathlon. I'd done a marathon, which was five hours for me. And I'd done a three-hour, 20-minute swim for 10k so i knew this was going to be almost double the biggest event that i'd done beforehand so i wanted to push myself i wanted to see could i do it how i would feel after it and it's it's a learnings from it you know the big the big event is next year where i'm going to do the full iron man so as far as i'm concerned this is part of that process I've got ideas of other events I can do for next year. But the big event is going to be Cork 15th of August next year, which is a full Ironman. That's a four and a half K swim. That's 180 K on the bike. And that's a 42 K run. That's a full marathon on the back end. That's that's where I'm going because I believe if you push your body to do these events, you grow mentally and physically. And that's why I'm doing it you know, lean in to the hardship, lean into the discomfort, and you'll become bigger in terms of stronger afterwards. Right, um, next point, talking to yourself. Now, when, when you're doing an event, you have to talk to yourself. You're spending a lot of time just in your own head and your own thoughts. Really, really useful thing to do is to talk to yourself. And there's two ways you should talk to yourself and it's about how your body deals with, um, you know, the hardship and the, the mental stimulus. Either be angry or be happy and you can't be either of them the whole time. Probably if you're doing something for 30 minutes, you probably can. Um, but when you go for a long period of time, you need to, I, I think Ross Edgley talks about it as going feral um, and then being happy with yourself. I, I do them both and I like to think that for me personally, I've learned how to do them quite well, Um, so when I'm being, you know, when I'm being hard on myself, and being angry at myself, I'll start talking to myself, and when I say talking to myself, I talk out loud, I actually say the words out loud, because you hear it, other people hear them as well, and it'll spur you on, Um, so, I'll, you know, and it happens to me mainly when I'm running, I did do it on the bike, just a little bit, we'll just talk to my legs, left foot, right foot, left foot, come on left foot, come on, come on Ricky, let's keep going, why are you struggling? This is easy. You know, you, you're struggling because you didn't put the work in and you start to make yourself angry and it actually spurs you on. It, it probably increases, you know, like um, adrenaline and and just gives you that little str- spring in your step. Um, and then by the flip side, you can't do that the whole time. So you've got to be happy as well. When I run the last two kilometers, when I'm running past people, I have a rule where I will always talk to them. I'll say hello, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is. If you've got a dog, I'll say hello to the dog when I'm running because it makes me happy. And when I'm happy, I've got that spring on the step again. I really encourage you listening to this to try this, especially when you're out running. Be happy on the way back. Say hello to people, especially in London because it'll scare the crap out of them because nobody likes each other in London. Um... (laughs) Last one, last one, sorry, the next one, I've loads more, is charge your watch, you dickhead, which is the exact notes I've written in front of me here. I charge my watch every single night. Very, very rarely is there ever a problem. And for some reason I did not charge my watch fully the night before, Saturday and the Sunday. And when I finished the swim, I realised my watch was at 20%, as I said earlier. Absolutely devastating. Fortunately. When I'm on the bike and when I'm running, I could take my phone with me and I could use Strava itself on that, which once I learned how to do it was absolutely fine. But make sure you charge your watch. And I suppose I can say this for everything. I did a full kit layout the day before to make sure I had everything. Um, I made sure my bike was prepped in terms of the air pressure. Um, I made sure the wetsuit was as good as the wetsuit could be. Um and I did have a new pair of trainers to wear. I decided not to wear the new pair of trainers because I hadn't road tested them. So prep. When I say charge your watch, just prep. Make sure you're well prepped. So as all your equipment's in the right place. So as on race day, you don't have to think about that. I don't have to think about where my headphones are, where no water bottles are, what food I'm eating. That was all done the day before. Next one. Shout out to Steph. Neil, Harry, Neely. Because when I was running, round about the 12 k mark, I heard ahead of us a car honked its horn and I looked up and parked ahead of me. Neil was just getting out of the car and Steph and their two beautiful twins, Harry and Neely, were standing at the side of the road and they were cheering me on and I'm telling you that the next... What well, what did I, what did I say? That was about the ten k mark. I've just put this together. This is this is a live uh, realization. That would have been three and a half, two. That would have been the eight k mark. And I said at the start of this podcast, the middle ten k from five k to fifteen k was absolutely incredible. And I put a lot of that down to seeing those four because they were screaming at the side of the road, saying "Yeah, go Ricky, go Marion. and it was absolutely fantastic. And we, I went from. A rough speed of 10 kph on the watch, I'm oh sorry, on my phone, to about 11 kph for that next 9k. Because I got that little adrenaline kick, the, the endorphins kick, I was like, yeah, this is brilliant. So now I understand why, if you were to do a big event like a marathon or Ironman, see the crowds you have down beside you. So important, and to have family members, friends, and family placed throughout that absolutely great. And I can say the same for when I was doing the bike, because we were going past the house four times. I was able to communicate with Lindsay. By the way, if you're using Apple Watch, you can like send people messages just by talking to your watch. It's incredible. Learned that on the weekend. I was able to message Lindsay and say we'll be passing the house in ten minutes. So I knew when I was going past, she would be there, just shouting stuff at me, which is absolutely fantastic. If you're doing an event, get that in. You're planning. Water break. Next one, point number 75 DOMS. Delayed onset of muscle soreness. Yeah, I've been sore for two or three days. Yeah, that's going to happen. On Monday, I thought I was doing a good thing. I went and did 20 minutes on the bike. On Tuesday, I thought I was doing a good thing and I went for a 40-minute easy swim. I really wish I had done the swim on the Monday because I felt like a new boy, a brand new boy afterwards. The worst thing you can do when you have pain and stiffness and soreness from exercise is actually sit around and do nothing because you just get stiff. I, I imagine all the muscles just kind of integrate and knit together. Whereas if you keep moving, It allows them to stretch out, it allows them to relax, or it allows new blood in, old blood out, lactic acid out, new lactic acid in, which gives you that flush effect. So definitely, definitely after any sort of intense exercise where you've got DOMS, do something the next day. Go for a walk, whatever it might be. Chaffage. Now, runners listen to this. You will know once you are running for a certain amount of time, it's different for everyone, but I would dare say it's in and around the hour mark. Well, you'll know if you don't use Vaseline, you're going to chaff in the following places your thighs, your groin, and your armpits. You will know that is going to happen. What I learnt is when you do seven and a half hours, I will also chaff behind my knees. In my hips, my ass cheeks, my neck and unbelievably painfully between my toes. I did not know I could chaff between my toes. On my left foot, it just was so sore. More so yesterday. um, A little bit today, more so than it was on Monday. So get lube, Vaseline moisturizer whatever it might be and you you cannot use enough of it um because as i sit here on Wednesday my muscles are no longer sore but my chaffage (laughs) chaffage 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 is sore so uh yeah i am looking for a sponsor from Vaseline right now um so if anybody can sort that out all right we've got three more then we'll round the podcast off with listeners' questions. Podcasts, radio, music. That's what I listen to when I'm on the bike and when I'm running. And I'll alternate between all three, depends what I want at the time. I've said this before on the podcast. When I'm running, I like to listen to a conversation. So I don't like a one person audiobook. I would prefer a two or preferably three person uh, podcast. I don't like it to be overly educational. I want it to be stories. And let me give you an example. I wouldn't listen to something like Mindset by Carol Dweck. It's highly educational. You want to think a lot about that. It's really, really good. Listen. I would want, I want to listen to a subject I'm passionate about. So this is an easy listen. So I listen to football podcasts. Two or three pundits the Man United podcast talking about football. And I'll do the same when I'm going in the radio here to talk sport i'll listen to that so what i was running at two o'clock i knew a game was kicking off so i stuck my headphones in and i listened to the first half of that football match because it's that little bit of escapism for me um really really good and then music i did this for parts of the run where i'll stick on uh, an old grit soundtrack because i i like the song so it's grit two uh, strength and plyo. not allowed to call it plyo anymore. It's athletic but it was plyo back then and it's a lot of Skrillex music, dubstep music and I, I do like that sound and I like that. Plus I know it's 30 minutes so I know if I can listen each song it's going to be like five six minutes long. I also know that's a kilometre for me as well so if I listen to grit strength when I run that's 5k. Simple as that. You can do the same with body attack, combat, pump for people who are listening and then what's good I like to do this You don't have to do this. If you're trying to go faster, listen to fast music and match your feet to the beat. Match your feet to the beat. Match your feet to the beat. Um, So, yeah, that's a a, a good tactic to use. And it's good for you to have them preloaded, obviously, in your listening device. um, And also pre-plan them. So know the podcasts, the radio station, and the music. Some people like to get a, and this is a good tactic. I've never done this, but I'll tell you. If you're putting a playlist together of music, when you know the points you're going to be struggling, like the 45-minute mark, make sure... So that was probably be about song, I don't know, seven, eight that you're listening to. Make sure that's a song that motivates you. Don't put your top five motivational songs on the first five minutes. Or sorry, the first 25 minutes. Because you don't need motivated then. That's going to happen naturally. You want your big songs. Like I would put Eminem 8 Mile round about the 60-minute mark. I do that quite often um so it's a good tactic to do if you are doing it put the playlist together think about the placement of certain songs and by all means play songs twice don't think once you play a song once especially if you're doing a four hour marathon or whatever it might be you you know play your favorite song two or three times during that you know at least once an hour and that's another good thing to do if you are i'm digressing so much if you're say you're running and you know you're going to be running for four hours pick a song and you would put that song to come on, let's say, every 20 minutes. And you can use that as a counter in your head. So you know, okay, every time I hear Eminem 8 Mile, that's 20 minutes. So if I, I've heard it three times now, I know that's an hour. You could use half an hour. You could use 60 minutes for that, whatever you want. Um, next one, landmarks and using pace. Do not think. About, oh shit, I have seven and a half hours of training here to do. I have 13 miles to run. It's never about the 13 miles. 13 miles is far too much. One mile. And when you start to really fatigue, I don't even focus on one mile. I'll just look up and I'll see the lighthouse. We have a lighthouse li- uh, living outside. We have a lighthouse that lives outside. um, Or, you know, a lamppost or a car. And you just run to that. And then once you get to that, you pick something else. And you pick something else such a good simple way do not think about the next 13 miles think about the next landmark I just get to the landmark and for those who do like endurance runs you probably know we we have loads of these but you'll probably have loads of landmarks in and around you you know okay if i run to that i'm back it's 2k that other landmark is 5k so we have the lighthouse so we have let me get this in order of distance we have the ferries and back is 3k we have the 30 mile per hour sign and back is 6k. We have the lighthouse and back is 7.5k. We have Londerson's Bay and back is 9.5k. And The roundabout at Inverkip and back is 15k. So we've got all these landmarks kind of in and around us. And that's just going when we get to the bottom of our street and turn left. We go right. We've got Battery Park and back is 5k. The end of the Esplanade and back is 10k. Uh, the waterfront leisure centre and back is 12.5, 13k. Get those landmarks in your head and use them. Use them well and be really, really familiar with them. So run them a few times. Um and turn them almost into turn them almost into non-negotiables. So like I, I know two, three times a week I am going to run to the uh, 30 mile per hour signs and back. Because that's that's my 6k. I know I'm going to do that. It's a non-negotiable um, normally on a Friday I'll do a 3k fast and I'm going to make it a non-negotiable now that every weekend without fail probably not from this weekend the next weekend I'm going to do a 10k without any training I'm not going to train trying to put in fast times I'll probably won't do that many other runs but I'm definitely going to make that part all what I do uh, right food and mental stimulants I've touched knees already so I won't spend too much time make sure you're well prepped with the food you can eat when running when biking when swimming uh, a lot of people can't have energy gels I'm really okay with digesting energy gels Um, a lot of people can't have um like heavy amounts of protein when they're exercising because it, it takes a lot of energy to digest. Again, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with peanut butter. Um, I wouldn't have like a protein shake. I wouldn't have like a slice of chicken, for example, because my body would have too much work to digest. But some people can cope with that. So make sure you're tested on that. And you gotta use your food as mental stimulants as well. I had an alarm set in my watch to go off every 50 minutes to remind me to eat something. And it was kind of like again coming coming back one the the landmarks every fifty minutes I get to eat something, it was a mouthful of a, a wrap with peanut butter or it was a gel or it was making sure I finish my water bottle by that point and I can restock my water bottle. Make sure you know you're you've got those things happening. So I would really recommend getting timers on that. Listen, that's there's probably so much more that I could talk to, but I I just want to say to you whether you're listening to this and if this inspires you. In any way to do an event that works for you, just do it. It can be as simple as running on the treadmill for five minutes. It could be as big as completing, you know, an ultramarathon in under five hours. Um, whatever it might be is you've got to work to your perspective. Oh, brilliant. Lindsay just brought me in some food. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and that brings me back to point number six was about support thank you mm-hmm. i've got uh eggs and sausages here There's, <laughs> um yeah you gotta learn to be uncomfortable because being uncomfortable makes you grow if you want the change you must get uncomfortable you know and you've gotta Think of any event that you put into places. Probably how I'm going to finish this part of the podcast is it's part of the process. It's part of you. You you know we're all a work in process or work in progress rather. If you're not working to improve yourself, you really are selling yourself short in your whole life. Um, and for me, this was one step towards the Ironman. I know once I do the full Ironman, there's going to be something else that comes up. Myself. I'm not saying I'm going to do something longer. I'm just going to do something else which tests me. I have a few ideas of what that could be. But for now, it's just looking at what's the next thing. What's the one thing I can do that helps me in where I am in my life right now? Um, And then lastly, for this part of the podcast, respect. When you do these sorts of events, you'll find a new point of Not just self respect, but the respect you get from other people. Uh, People uh, talk to me differently from when I did the marathon, from when I did the 10k swim. Interestingly, you get more respect for doing a running marathon than a swimming marathon, even though uh, more people, I I can't remember the percentages, something like, is it something like 3%? 3% 3% of people will complete a marathon. I'm sure that's not right. But let's just say it as an extreme point. 5% of people will complete a marathon and 1.1% of people can even swim. Never mind complete a swimming marathon. And I got more respect for doing the running marathon than I did the swimming marathon. And that was quite interesting. But anyway, that aside, that you find a find self-respect. When you respect yourself more, other people will give you more respect. Right, let me finish that bit of the podcast off and we will now go in to listeners' questions. Right, great, 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 great listeners' questions. I now have my hood up and a cup of tea to look after me while I do this. Um. So listeners' questions, I will take the best questions from uh, my Instagram story throughout the week and I'll always put the, the best ones as such on the podcast um so if, if you do have a question that you want for the podcast you know best place either message me privately or keep an eye on the instagram story so uh this one from steve did you eat all the food on sunday um not really i wasn't that hungry after the event on sunday uh so uh, like i think i said this earlier I had chinese a couple of beers and i had a reasonably early night didn't sleep that great uh next one Emma, can spinning classes cause fat gain? Now, ultimately the thing that's going to cause fat gain is being in some form of a calorie surplus. And if you're doing spin classes, which do not prevent you being in a surplus, you will potentially gain and store fat. So it's not the spin class, it's the calorie surplus. All that being said, is there has been some research done in the past. I must dig out this article about how people who do excessive cycling, spin classes, like you're talking, you know, maybe up to 10 per week, can develop mass in terms of muscle storage and fat storage in their lower half and their legs. And that's the body's natural adaptation phase. to be able to power through the activity they're doing, like if you think about it, if you look at elite cyclists, look at Chris Froome, he's really, really slight on top, very, very skinny arms, very, very skinny shoulders, chest, and he's quite leg heavy, and that's because that's where his body needs the energy. That's where his body needs the adaptation. um So a calorie surplus will cause fat gain. Spin classes will not cause fat gain. Uh, next question. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, should I get an iPad or a MacBook as a better investment or is an iPad or a MacBook better as an investment? Listen, I'm so biased on this one. I'm a laptop guy. I do have an iPad. I use it two or three times a year. Um, my opinion is really, really biased. Some people do say that iPads does everything that a MacBook does. You know, I'm, I'm really not willing to try. I'm very, very happy with my MacBook. Um, just as long as you're not getting an Android or a Microsoft laptop, you'll be in the right place. So iPad or MacBook, get them both. Yeah, walk in the Apple and just, you know, see what they can do. Because you're, you're not buying an iPad nowadays for anything less than five £600. Pounds. You're not buying a MacBook for anything less than a grand. So you may as well get them both and take out some finance. <laughs> Uh, what part of the Iron Man was the hardest? Um, the last 2k of the run, 19 minutes. Uh, this one from Sarah. <laughs> how long would you give it before giving up on teaching classes due to having no classes? Right, without making this too long winded, it depends on you and it depends on how you feel about teaching and what you want to do with your life. So first of all think about that and then think about how do you deserve classes like what are you doing right now to deserve those classes and if you're sitting there thinking oh well my gym cancelled all their licenses i have nothing else to teach (coughs) excuse me think about how you deserve to teach what you're allowed to teach in that facility so they might you might not be able to do body attack or body combat anymore but you could go in there and do an aerobics class a circuits class uh You know, a core class, whatever it might be, think about how and work hard on that how for a defined period of time, let's say six months, and then reassess that every six months. Because if you're fully deserving of having classes, you will get classes. If you're waiting on a facility to offer you classes, that does not happen in normal times, especially now. Yeah, you've got to deserve to have the classes. Um, and reevaluate. and if you do decide that you don't want to teach classes that's not necessarily final um it's just for now so you could come back to it in two or three months two or three years um the last question and i've deliberately saved this one this one's well, i've got two last ones uh this one's from gareth coffee on wednesday afternoon or thursday it'll have to be thursday because this is wednesday and i'm not leaving the house because it's pissing down rain um top five pet peeves of the fitness industry i think i've done podcasts literally with this very very topic might have worded it slightly differently um and you know i kind of i want i I don't want this part of the podcast going too long but i will give this just a little bit of our time uh five pet peeves of the fitness industry now before i go on this is my opinion first and foremost so, I'm happy for you to disagree with my opinion, but as long as you respect that I've been in the fitness industry since 2002, three, four, So, my opinion is based on experience and haven't lived it for 18 years now. Uh, top five. Point number one I wish more fitness professionals supported each other. We live in an industry where fitness professionals are dedicated to slagging each other off and are just afraid that every other fitness professional is going to steal clients, steal members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolute fucking bullshit. Support each other and the fitness industry would be a better place. Let's go off on one here. You know what is absolutely fantastic? Zumba. You know what else is brilliant? CrossFit. You know what else is great? Shift. You know what else is great? Legs, bums and tums. Freestyle. Circuits. They're all absolutely fantastic. I don't sit here as a a body pump instructor, as a Les Mills trainer and say body pump's the best, everything else is shite. Extreme point to prove, extreme analogy to prove a point. We should be more supportive. If I look at something like CrossFit, I should be looking at CrossFit and thinking, you know what, if I do CrossFit, what, sorry, rather, what about CrossFit will make me better at body pump? What about body pump will make me better at CrossFit? If we thought more about that and supported each other and I walked into the CrossFit box and said to the owner, listen, uh, you know, I want to improve my body pump. What do you have here that can help me? And if that CrossFit owner turned around and said, uh, yes, I'm fully aware of body pump. I, I love it. I enjoy it. I can put you through this program, which will help you improve your body pump. Then we'd be in a much better place. Unfortunately, I don't think this really does happen. But again, extreme analogy. Normally, if you walked into another gym and and said, "I want to improve my ability to do this particular thing," at a different gym, you'd be met with, "Well, who cares? Piss off!" It's like bodybuilders thinking they're better than fitness physique models, thinking they're better than CrossFit, thinking they're better than powerlifting, thinking they're better than Joe Average marathon runner. Yada yada yada. Um, anyway, that's just point one. Holy shit. Um. Point number two, I wish more people had access to fitness. I think gym memberships are... Right, let let me word this right. I think a fitness journey is too expensive for everybody to get. So you can get a gym membership for 15, 20 quid, which a lot of people can afford these are your um, budget gyms but you don't actually get a fitness journey when you're in them you just you know get your membership card and you've got free reign if you want a fitness journey you would need a pt you need a program stuff like that which are probably upwards of 100 200 300 pounds per month which not a lot of people can afford i wish more people had access to fitness especially moving into this digital age which we're at um, you know, the likes of these streaming platforms, Les Mills on demand, Peloton. I think they're all absolutely fantastic. I would love more people to have access for these. I know there's a price point in that as well. Um, but what if you know, like insurance companies, life insurance companies, insisted that you they um, provided rather uh, some sort of fitness journey for their customers, and car insurance did the same, and um, just general things. That fitness was more a lifestyle maybe that should be the point that fitness is a lifestyle rather than a luxury um point number three I wish there was more education in schools around fitness you know prevention is better than cure if we were educating the schools and the kids in the schools right at the age of 16 about the importance of exercise nutrition uh, and the effects that will have not just on your physical health, but your mental health. I think the especially the UK and Ireland, we would have much better rates of uh, obesity, uh, of disease in general, uh, diabetes, um, and probably better mental health stats as well. Um, and that's just like it's not going into a school and you know, making you know, the kids in the school do some 12 week fat burn program. It's letting the kids explore exercise in ways that they enjoy so like games um it's letting them understand about nutrition in ways that make sense like nobody wants to sit in school at 14 15 years old and learn about trans fats and polyunsaturated fats um nobody nobody cares about that absolutely nobody cares about that what they do care about is how many big macs and five guys can they have in a week without getting fat so let's educate them on basic calorie balances and how they can offset that and how they can, you know, the benefits of having high protein diets and what high where high protein diets come from and the foods that they can't eat. Educate children on how to enjoy the food that they like without that becoming some weird tracking obsessity from such a young age. They should be educated and they're so, oh, we don't want our kids tracking our, our, our nutrition because it'll lead to health problems. Well, By them having no education in the first place is leading to health problems. So we've got to do something about it. right. point number four. Um, (laughs) Pet peeves, remember, personally. I don't think the group fitness area should be called a studio. I've said this for years. You know, CrossFit cracked it. CrossFit called their studio a box. And all of a sudden it's cool, it's sexy. And, you know, at the time when that first came out, uh, there was an air of um, intrigue about it. You know, people wanted to find out what it was. Um, the word studio, kind of, it's a bit of a hangover from the 80s, kind of like dance studios. You know, my the gym I used to teach in at McLean Leisure, there's a sign in their building that says uh, dance studios where I go and teach body pop. Like, what the fuck? Let's change the name and the perception of these rooms. Um, call it a training zone, call it, you know, the group exercise room, zone, whatever you want to call it. Be creative with it. We used to call our "quote unquote" spin studio the Belfast Belladrum, which you're like it's a bit wanky, but it's a bit more. And especially for getting guys in the studios, because guys don't want to come in the studios because we think about dance studios. If you want guys to come in the group exercise, you've got to remove as many barriers as you can, and you know whether you think you are, or aren't being um, sexist. A word like studio, some other people will have a hang up against that word. I'd be one of those people that the word studio to me. um, I automatically think mirrors, um, bars around the room, uh, dancing, leotards, etc., etc. Um, cetera. Last one, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, last one, point number five. If the fitness industry was more about results, then it would have more money. Unfortunately, people chase money which results in less results. Now, what I mean by that is if you go into David Lloyds, Bannantines, Nuffield, you know, any big chain, you go into their general manager's office or the sales office, they will have a board on the wall which is all about their membership stats. How many members do they have? How many members do they need by the end of the month? Uh, Their attrition rate? um, How many members have left? Blah, blah, blah. What they don't have on the wall is how many members are getting fitness results or achieving their goals and the reality is uh, th- th- this is the, f- the absolute the biggest fucking truth I'll ever say on the podcast if gyms and I'm not holding the gym managers responsible for this by the way if gyms in general if the whole narrative would change and when you join a gym instead of you buying a membership you're buying a fitness journey more members will get more results which will result in more members staying at gyms for longer and more members more non-members becoming members because they know they will get the fitness result most people I can't remember the stats for this um, but most gym members get less oh, hold on I've got two stats which I'm getting confused in my head something like of all gym members do not use the gym more than once a week, 60%. And then the other stat is members who get results and are training three times a week are five times more likely to still be a member in a year's time. So if we focus on getting your members through a fitness journey, You will have more members in your gym long term. So if you are a gym manager right now or a sales manager and you've got that big stupid fucking profit and loss whiteboard up on your wall, rip it down, put up a new one and create a fitness journey. If you've got 1000 members, how many of those 1000 members are on their way to a fitness result and how many of them are just swiping in a couple of times a week and going in and doing some exercise? work people towards a fitness result, you will have more members. Um, and yeah, I suppose the last one is just any fitness professional, especially self-employed fitness professionals for blaming anyone else but themselves for any problems they have in their business. So I had that, you know, one earlier, but if you're not getting classes right now, it's it's not the gym's fault. It's certainly not Les Mills's fault. Um, it's not even COVID's fault it's your fault for not adapting to the times so you need to adapt you need to decide what you're going to do with your business because in business all walks of business nobody will give you anything for free you have to work for everything and the moment you stop working the moment you think you've got oh I've got 20 classes a week um you know I'm earning you know five six hundred pounds a week happy days something will go wrong you'll either get sick so you're not doing your 20 hours anymore or covert will come and close the gym so you're not getting your 20 hours anymore you need to take control and before you blame anyone else so i say oh fuck, i'm going off and around i see it all the time now on facebook groups where people are going oh the clubs have dropped these licenses clubs don't run these programs clubs have turned the group exercise studio into your weights room i can't teach my classes anymore it's like sort it out yourself like go and do something that makes you employable go and provide a service somewhere somehow that allows you to still be employable come up with ideas be an entrepreneur if you're self-employed you own a job if you think like an entrepreneur you all of a sudden are a coach you start to solve problems solve problems rather than serving your own um job so self-employed people own a job entrepreneurs or coaches run treat their business like an actual business self-employed people treat their business like a job um if you're self-employed and you don't turn up the work you do not earn any money if you think like an entrepreneur you don't have to turn up the work because you'll have things in place that can allow for that income whether that's online, whether that's telephone calls, whether that's um, instead of doing 20 classes a week for 20 pounds a class, you do five classes a week and you do pay-as-you-go when it's 10 pounds a class for people to come in. I'm just throwing loads of ideas out here. The point is your business, your self-employed business, your fitness entrepreneur business is your responsibility. It is not up to your gym. It is not up to the gym's members and it is not up to anybody else but you to make sure you have a weekly, stroke, monthly, stroke, yearly income. All right, whew, just about done, just about done. Um, so yeah, that's a, how long we've we been on? An hour and a half? About 10 minutes. Um, learnings of my first half Ironman, the Ironman 70.3. Um, I'm gonna put a couple of details in the show notes here. So this is on uh, the marathon I did last year and the uh, marathon swim that I did last year as well Um, go check them out there'll definitely be a little bit of a crossover I'm doing this one quite raw you know it's two three days afterwards so I'm maybe not thinking just as clearly as I I would necessarily like to so you might find there's a follow-up to this episode Um, right jump live in February before COVID We did an in-person event in Glasgow, we had 75 people there, and it was uh, an event dedicated to improving self-development event for training, nutrition, and mindset. Listen, we're doing the event again, we can't all meet in Glasgow, but what we can do, we can all meet on Zoom. We're going to do this on the 30th of October, literally 30 days from the time of recording this, where I'm going to bring you expert speakers talking their stories, their inspiration, giving you actionable tools to improve your nutrition, your training and mindset. The priority list is where the cheapest, yes, cheapest, I'm going to charge for this, the cheapest tickets are going to be. The priority list link is in the show notes. Go click the priority list, get yourself on that, you will not be spammed by emails. On the 9th of October, you will get one email. Which is the ticket price, which will be a 50% deduction from the actual ticket price. That's it. There's not going to be follow up emails. There's not going to be any spam before or after. I'm going to tell you what the ticket price is and tell you what the priority list can get the tickets for. And the reason why I have to charge for this is it gives you a guarantee of value and it gives me a guarantee of interest in people come to it because we've all probably through lockdown we have all registered for free webinars and you know maybe turned up for 10 minutes of it or not even turned up at all we've all done it i know if you pay for something we do it we all do it if you have a gym membership you go to the gym if you get the gym for free meh, not so much you get what i mean so jump live training nutrition mindset Five expert speakers, one unbelievable headliner. The priority list is going to get the best possible ticket price. It's going to be webinar format. It's going to be Friday the 30th of October. It's going to start at 5.30 in the evening and it's going to finish round about half nine and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be Jump Live. This is Ricky Long Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Any feedback, give us a shout. Otherwise, catch me on social media. Ricky Long, 22. See you later. You are listening to the Ricky Long Podcast, where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes.